Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 15, Growing Up Fire. I got a real special guest today. You know, I don't usually try the hard last names, but I'm going to try. So, Nick Von Walkerbarth. You nailed it, bro. Nailed it. Nailed oh, it. it. All right. That's the best pronunciation I've heard in years. <laughs> so, from the Von Dubcast, you could uh, go to his Instagram page, check him out on the YouTube page, www.thevondubcast.ca. So, and this is a guy, I'm going to blame him. This is the yeah. guy that uh, got me into this, got me excited. So you should go, go check out his podcast. He's a high energy guy. You'll see that here as yeah. we're going along and uh, he just loves this stuff. So uh, we did one on the fire and mm-hmm. asked him to, uh, he's in town, stop by, check this out. So thanks for being here, man. Thank you. And I can't wait to get you back on. That was one of the, one of the best episodes we did. I was just uh, doing another podcast this morning and I was talking about the podcast we did and I was just saying I was goosebumps the whole time like start to finish that whole just putting ourselves back into that time it was uh quite the experience that's one of my favorite episodes and I can't wait to have you on again yeah it, I mean it's crazy for me too and right I think that's kind of I mean the passion comes from yeah you got to love the subject right you yeah. got to love what's going on but uh I love that you kind of drug me to a different perspective right yeah. so I certainly have my perspective mm-hmm. of firefighting and, mm-hmm. and how to firefight but you got me going on yours right yeah. so so we'll talk some more about that you know, for me, uh, growing up fire, that's a big adventure, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, part of that adventure. And I, and I think something that uh, you and I have in common that we love to talk about mm-hmm. and don't tell everyone how crappy a coach I was, but <laughs> the, uh, you know, I did get to, to be around you in the rink a lot. Yeah. And then I got to coach you a little bit right at the end of your mm-hmm. career there, mm-hmm. which was, uh, which was fun too. Yeah. Yeah, it sure was. Sure was. And that was, uh, yeah, my kind of last kick at the cat there playing hockey. I was, to be honest with you, I wasn't even planning to play when it, when it got, uh, lined up that the winter Hawks needed some guys I figured oh I'll go out and I'll practice and maybe there'll be a couple road trips where you know don't have enough guys and then you know I don't think I missed a practice that whole year because I was growing up I wasn't allowed to miss any practices right like that was just not oh, gonna Ringo happen was like you're oh gonna yeah, be. <laughs> yeah you're gonna be there right like because half the time he was coaching too so if he's gonna be there I'm gonna be there right exactly so, yeah and uh, it kind of turned into a season where you know it was a bit of a grind to get the guys out there and uh, you know there was a couple people that were there rain or shine they were going to be there for for the team and then there were some guys that were a little bit less uh, less enthused and I was kind of one of those guys that uh, you know if I say I'm going to do something I'm going to do it I may not have been the best guy out there but at least I showed up <laughs> oh, yeah. that, that was always that was, that was like my entire hockey you, Ryan Colby yeah, right yeah. Uh, uh, Stasso of course yeah, he's always, always there yeah. right yeah. so he's always his usual characters mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and it's a good way to get ice time for I mean, sure it is yeah, yeah, your no dad totally had it nailed when he yeah. was telling you I don't care right like, yeah your leg's not broken drag your ass to practice exactly and, exactly uh, and so for me, I love that, right? I loved having you guys around, young guys, just yeah. lots of passion for the game and and uh, that whole coaching piece, right? So mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times your dad and I sat on the bench together, D partners and old timers. Oh, yeah. I shouldn't tell everyone how old I am. <laughs> but, uh, and we're, uh, you know, just out there talking about it and how fun it was mm-hmm. to coach and to have everybody yeah. in. And, yeah. and uh, you know, like you just feed off that, right? Mm-hmm. It gives you energy and excitement. And, and uh, I mean, not enough energy and excitement that when we're getting our ass is kicked 19 nothing that it was still fun yeah but (laughs) that we're still out there trying Mm -hmm. right and it's cool now at the age that i'm at is to look back on that and to have a new perspective on that experience with my dad of those coaching times and a lot of the coaches you know yourself clarence malbuff again just saying i was just with travis and tom about that stuff and as a kid i think you don't realize all that they're doing for you and all that the lessons that they're imparting and then when you get a little bit of uh life experience you get to look back at oh i'm really proud of this thing I, like that that's showing up and, and doing your bet right and you look back at where that got instilled in you is 
with all those coaches that did those things and you have to just, I'm, I find myself, I'm so much more grateful every year because I have more, a better understanding of all those things. Right. And I think hockey is one of those big ones where, you know, you almost want to pick up the phone and call all your old coaches and say, thank you. Right. <laughs> Except for you. Cause you know, I get to say, <laughs> I love you, man. Yeah, exactly. Maybe after a few whiskeys, that's what'll come out. I'm telling you, I had the greatest day. My niece's kid was playing and, and uh, they're in Edmonton and we were in Edmonton. So she's like, Hey, can you come watch? And, so I said, oh, yeah, sure, right? Uh, so we head out to Mournville there, and we're watching the game. And I look down on the bench, Wade Skull, right? Joey Dunlop, yeah. Aaron Franklin. That's the coaches, right? And oh, I'm boy. like, oh, look at the, the dream team's coaching yeah, their no kids shit. now, yeah. right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, so I'm trying to pick out their kids. And and uh, so at the intermission, Wade Skull comes out, and he's like, well, what are you doing here, right? And I was yeah. like, oh, Olivia's, it, you know, my niece's kid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I said, and I'm up here laughing my ass off, right? Like, yeah. I, I'm loving this. Nobody uh-huh. loves this more than uh-huh. me because – I'm now seeing you guys coach, right? Yeah. And you're getting to feel the pain that everybody else gets yeah. to feel. Oh, and, uh, you know, of course, they're so intense. All three of those guys yeah. are like yeah. intensity level uh-huh. a billion, uh-huh. right? And, uh, yeah, it was just so exciting. Yeah, that was uh, that was something that was fun for me to watch. Uh, so in my grade 12 year, I had one of those weird birthdays where I was uh, a hockey year ahead of like my school age, right? So in grade 12, I would no plan always. I knew because I knew that right. I was oh, I'll play wolves in grade twelve, or I'll try, I'll try out. And that year just happened that they folded that year, so I couldn't play. So luckily enough, uh, Benny and the Jets, the rec team, there picked me up right. And I'm the young like on that team, I'm the only young guy there, right? Just kind of, and they were awesome. They really you know took me under their wing and and brought me through. But I noticed that you know Dombrowski and 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 Dave and all these guys that are coaching now to watch them talk about their kids' teams and how passionate they were just to sit there, you know, like. It gave me, that was one of the things that gave me a lot more perspective on how much, because my dad used to say like, oh, if we'd have a bad game, it'd keep him up at night. And I'm thinking, fuck, I slept great. And I was yeah. playing, you're coaching. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. You know, like I felt like a lot of times. I'm like, crying in the car and I'm done. Yeah, exactly. You know, like it didn't no skin off my back. And I think that was always, you know, for him too, is he's putting lots of hours in there and to see him at points, you know, have it affect him more than me. I think that was always something that we kind of butt heads against. But now it gives me a better perspective when I get to see these guys that their kids aren't even all that old. Some of them that I was seeing that they're coaching, right? And and, and some of it was uh, the women's teams they're coaching and, and, and their daughters and just the passion they have for it. So you can see these guys are competitive and that is that minor hockey that, in the grand scheme of thing doesn't add up to too much in, in a couple of years. Yeah. Some life lessons. Yeah. Right? Some life lessons, but the way you listen to them talk, you know, it was, it was serious stuff. And I, it gave me a lot more uh, perspective maybe on uh, what goes into that coaching role. And I can just imagine like, cause you and your dad would have had some yeah. of the same talks me and Ryan had, right. And there's just no getting away from it. Yeah. And uh, you know, we finally had to make that deal where it's like, okay, you know what? We, we talk in the rink, we mm-hmm. talk in the room, mm-hmm. we talk on the bus, you know, for, 20 minutes or whatever, as I'm talking to each player. And then we're not talking about yeah, it. Yeah. Like basically every, leave it there. It's yeah. Written, <laughs> yeah. Right? And, uh, I find now that, you know, even in my real job. And so this is another lesson I take from hockey into my real job mm-hmm. is that, uh, those tough discussions, you know, we go, we have those tough discussions. Maybe we agree. Maybe we don't. Right. It is mm-hmm. what it is, mm-hmm. but then just leave it alone. Yeah. Right. So it's not like a scab to pick over and over and Mm -hmm. over again. It's like we have that talk. And so sometimes I'm sitting there talking to a firefighter and I can actually almost see my son's face in them to be like, okay, that we had to talk. Yeah. It's over. Mm -hmm. Go away. I'll go away. We'll all think about it and move on with life. Right. For sure. And so uh, it's made those tough discussions in life Mm -hmm. just a little bit easier. Right. 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 And so, you know, I can. Uh, just imagine in your job, right? In any job, mm-hmm. you're, there's going to be that day you got to let someone go yeah. or you got to, Hey man, you know, you weren't doing a good job, to, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and have those tough discussions. Yeah. And I always think to myself, like people that didn't get forced to do that in their life, mm-hmm. how do they do it now? Right? Exactly. And and that's what I was going to say. I think that is a, a skill that being able to have a tough conversation and know at the end of 
we know why we have this conversation, all the emotion that comes after it, you need to leave it. Right. And I feel like that's something as you start hiring people and you look for that, it's hard to be able to pick that out, but what makes somebody a good employee versus a bad employee, that is one of the biggest telltale signs. If there's a, a driver say that if he's not cutting a slack and I need to tell him and just say, Hey, pick your shit up and they can take it. That's awesome. But if that you can, Hey, pick your shit up. And now it's, he's mean to me and yeah, all this right. stuff. And, and my and, mom will be calling you. Exactly. <laughs> and, and unfortunately you do see that stuff, but it's hard to choose for that. And like you say, if you don't, if you don't have sports or some other medium to teach you those lessons, you are really behind the eight ball when you go out into the real world. Right. And I feel like that is something that I've seen. It's I'm trying now to figure out how can I see that in the interview process, those things, because those hard talks only really come up when the situation deems it right. So it's hard to see that until rubber meets the road and it's, you know, what can you do, especially interviewing? That's one of the things with this new role. And that is one of the coolest things I'm learning is just how to read people in those times when they're trying to be unreadable. Cause everyone in a, in an interview is putting their best face on. They're trying to say everything you want to hear. And you're getting that. And to be able to look past that first couple layer, find different sneaky ways to ask them about it. One of my favorite things now is as soon as I'm done an interview, I put everything away, close my book and just have a bullshit. What do you like to do? You play video games, do that and just start talking. Guard comes down. Yeah, you try (laughs) And some people won't. And that's a big warning sign to me. If you, if you can't let your guard down at all, cause I'm a pretty personable guy, especially once you close the book and the questions are over. If you can't, I think if you listen to my pie, I have 50 episodes, three hours long. I can talk to anybody yeah, for any amount of time, right? You should be able to get their guard. I should be able to prod, <laughs> prod something out of you. So if you really won't give me anything, that is one thing. And then usually once they do bring the guard down, they'll sink themselves or they'll rise, right? Once those guard goes down, that's when you can really see. And sometimes you'll see really good things out of guys. Like just had that just recently hired a guy and he's been awesome, right? Like great. And it was because after the interview part, he interviewed all right. We started talking, you know, he started talking video game. Oh, video. I know video. Like let's talk. And we, and we had, you know, a 30 minute discussion on video games and really got into it and see his passion. And they started talking about his kids and you could see that he had something special with him. And it was like, man, like, I wish I would have learned this lesson three years ago. Yeah, would, this would have yeah. saved me from so yeah. many fucking now, hires. This guy's yeah. going to be a good hire. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's true. And and it's kind of how it just kept, keeps going through life, right? Like, so we used to just use a 20 or 30 minute interview and we'd hire firefighters. Yeah. And yeah, guess what? 50% of them didn't mm-hmm. work out. Mm-hmm. So then we started, okay, well, we got to have a process. You know, it's a day process. Then we switched with the fire smart crew to a, a two day process, mm-hmm. a three day process. We had it where they're like helping cook lunch to see if they can fit in with the crew. Yeah. Right. And, and I got to tell you, like, like there was guys that sunk themselves cooking lunch. Yeah. They're in there like bossing everyone around and bullying yeah. everyone because yeah. they think the spaghetti has to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, you're missing the point yeah. of this yeah, exercise, yeah, yeah. right? And and so, yeah, I mean, just one life lesson into the next mm-hmm. to the next, right? Mm-hmm. And so I love to hear that you could take that stuff and turn it into your life and your job. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you use those skills in podcast, you yeah. use it in your real job. Yeah. And uh, and it's all real stuff, right? And so for me, it's like we, we got that from hockey. My daughter played hockey too, right? And she's got those same life lessons, yeah. right? Uh, she's doing a thing in school the other day and, and she goes, yeah, I got to do this big group work, right? And, and there's all different dynamics, mm-hmm. you know, and not everybody gels and, yeah. and but she can just work it out and yeah. get through it and, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then you see other people that are just like, you know, they can't be told no, yeah. they just yeah. melt down. And, and so, uh, yeah, any of those team sports, you know, soccer, mm-hmm. baseball, mm-hmm. hockey, uh, football, you name it, it's, yeah. it's going to help. Yeah. Right. Or a good childhood job too. That's the other thing I think is if you don't have sports, you got, as soon as you turn 13, 14, you need a job and you need a job that's going to push you because you can learn a lot of those lessons. They, I think perfect thing is sports plus that. I think that's where you really get the good well-roundedness coming out of school. Actually, it's funny. I was just talking to Travis on that podcast before about this is going to university. It was interesting to see 
all these things you take for granted coming from a small town and the values that you get imposed on you and, and all these things you pick up and then you go there and you see people without it. It's the first time you ever experienced people that come from a different upbringing that don't. I told him a couple things I noticed was how uh, guys would talk to girls. And I feel like when I go to the bar and I hear some of that, like if that happened at the pub and slaves, somebody's grabbing that guy. Cause you just don't, that's, not how, you, that's <laughs> not how you treat, that's not how we were brought up. That's not how we treat women. Right. Yeah. And, and stuff like that. Or in the classroom, uh, in business school, people that have clearly never worked a day in their life and they don't know how to, you know, sometimes there'd be people that go back and forth with the teachers, but there's a way to do it. That's respectful. And it is, but some of these guys would just come, it was very clear that they'd never worked before. And I just think, you know, you, you take a lot for granted. And I was telling Travis, you hear people, you know, everyone shits on their hometown and whatever it's talks about, it, but there's so many pauses that come out of this. Right. And like, uh, you know, being able to go live in the rink, like as a kid and you have all these great people that are imparting those little pieces of wisdom on you, right? You, <laughs> yeah. It's like you're getting raised by by a hundred different people, right? And you just get all those little best pieces of information for everybody. You take bit from piece from here, right? You, you know, you learn a new level of niceness and, and respectfulness when you meet the Stassels. You go, oh, okay, I didn't know somebody could be that nice. Now yeah, I got a new level. I that's gotta, crazy yeah, nice. Yeah, 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 I got sure. I to I I raise my game here, right? And that's yeah. just so, uh, I think it's special. I think more people need to uh, be grateful for what it is, a community like this, What you what, what lessons you can learn here. Yeah, it's been so, you know, as we get ready to move away, we've been talking a lot about yeah. that, right? I mean, there's the pros and cons. Mm -hmm. And so we got family here, friends here, you know, yeah. uh, Kirsten's lived here for longer than me, but I've lived here over 40 years and wow. it's hard to walk away from mm -hmm. all of that. That being said, as you do walk away, you take a little piece of this town with you, right? Yeah. And, you and another thing is that's crazy. No matter where you go, you run into somebody that's lived in your small town. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're yeah. just like, what, what do you mean? Uh -huh. This is crazy. Right. Uh -huh. And so again, as we kind of say, Hey, we're, we're moving, we're leaving all these people that I used to know when I was in grade five, grade six. Right. And they're all like, Hey, that's cool. We're going to live close together. Yeah. And then, you know, counselors that I worked with and, mm -hmm. and uh, different people in New Wellfield. And it's all, so, you know, when I get to my next place, you already kind of have that friend base, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to be having mm -hmm. beers with all these different folks that I used to hang around with. Yeah. And uh, it just kind of makes you feel welcome down mm -hmm. there just as much, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then also too, this is something, again, I think this is just a recap of uh, me and Travis that we talked about just uh, serendipity wise. But I was asking, I said like, I wonder, because we were talking, we were kind of just reminiscing, going down the old memory lane of all these characters we had, you know, Monaghan and Lucan and all the, just all these the absolutely amazing kids that had were special in their own way and were funny and just made such a fun environment to grow up in. I was saying, I wonder if we just got really special with Slave Lake or if that's every small town. And he was saying, you know, like, cause he moved here in grade six. He said, no, I think it's everywhere. Cause I, I think the same way about all the kids I grew up till, till grade six with, I think of the same way. So even though you're leaving something that's very special, like Slave Lake is, there's going to be those people that make Slave Lake special. Those people are in Chestermere that make Chestermere special, right? So then you get to double dip and you get to bring your little piece of Slave Lake, but then add in that, you know, Chestermere flavor and you, that's how the world goes around. That's what makes the world turn. That's what uh, progress comes from. So it's, uh, I, I will tell you though, that, uh, you guys had an extra special time in Slave Lake. I think we did. I you know, think we did, it's yeah. like your friend group. There's, I would say every five or six years, a group yeah. of kids comes through yeah. that they're tighter friendships than the rest. Mm -hmm. They're more in tune with each other. Their interests are, you know, their likes are all the same. Yeah. And uh, you see them stay together. Yeah. Right. And so you're in town for a wedding. And, and I mean, it's a lot of those kids. Yeah. You're, you're all back doing yeah. your thing. Right. And you've gone different directions mm -hmm. all over the place. But mm -hmm. guess what? You know, the next few days will just be like you yeah. guys were back in yeah. high school hanging yeah. out. And and so the ones I feel sorry for that is be like your girlfriend. Because mm -hmm. right? she, everyone will be nice to her and everyone will talk to her and she'll yeah. feel like she's part of it and everything. Yeah. But it won't be the same yeah, as yeah. being you one of those that. 15 people that kind of yeah. came through. I was sitting there waiting for Kirsten the other day and 
you know, I, I hear some, Hey, what's going on? And I'm looking around who they're not talking to me. And I look over at Colby Luke and say, yeah, yeah. he's coming over from his truck. Right. So yeah. we have this 15 minute chat, just like we saw each other, mm-hmm. you know, five minutes ago. Yeah. Right. And I hardly ever get to see him. Yeah. Right. But it's that same relationship mm-hmm. where you can just pick mm-hmm. up and, and move on. And yeah. so, you know, for me, there's lots of firefighters out there that are always listening to this. And so I always try to tell them like, you don't have to be a hockey player. You don't have to be a soccer player. You don't, but you know, remember that those people, there's pieces of that that you can pull out that kind of almost guarantee you that they can get along and, and play a team sport. Yeah, and, yeah. Right. So if you come and it's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I only did this because I could do it for myself and I didn't have to count on anyone else. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Not, not the job for you. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Not and, a good uh, and then, you know, as we have all these people come, you just see all those different personalities. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if there's a hockey player out there that I can't gel with. Yeah. Right. Just can find a way to to figure it out. Yeah. And so um, it starts to all pull into that. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then there's lots of other firefighters that don't have team sports in their background and they figure it out and they find a way. And and some of them end up being great team guys Mm -hmm. too. Right. Mm -hmm. But so anyways that, that's great i mean we we're all over the place here but oh, that, always, that's great that's, <laughs> a, that's a podcast in stores going all over the map i guess we do whatever we want because yeah, we can right yeah. why not <laughs> if we're not taking advantage of it who is exactly yeah. all right so so let's skip back we're, we're gonna skip back 2011 yes sir uh, i want to jump into you know the the town's on fire yeah. and uh, all the stuff that we talked about before and uh, so some things that I really kind of wanted to talk about was mm-hmm. the impacts, not just of the fire, right? Yeah. So we'll talk about the fire and, yeah. and how it impacted you, but kind of the after. Because mm-hmm. I got to tell you that I never really felt like this town got whole again after mm-hmm. the fire, right? Mm-hmm. So we're 10 years after the mm-hmm. fire and, and uh, you know, some people, amazing people, their houses burnt down, they got new houses, they moved on. Yeah. And some people just got stuck on that day, yeah. you know, that week, that yeah. month, uh, that year that it took mm-hmm. to get their house mm-hmm. back. Some people, their house didn't burn down. And I think they got stuck there. Right. 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 Just that, those tragic events mm-hmm. and, and all that happened. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my first question is, so that year school got canceled, right? Yeah. Lots of people didn't go yeah. back. I don't know if you did or didn't. Oh, yeah. A little bit. I had to, uh, my biomark wasn't exactly where it was. And it was, I was doing my grade 12. It was, I was in grade 11, but I was doing one course of grade 12 and it was bio. And the uh, mark wasn't exactly where my mom wanted it. So I had to go do a couple extra worklets uh, at the uh, school for a couple months and by myself. Uh, thanks, mom. So uh, other than that, I got, I got bitter. Yeah, no, not, not at all. Not at all. So you had to go back and, and finish that. Yeah, up. just a couple workbooks or something. It was just a raise a grade. You know, you know how it is. Of course, yeah. So, so my kids were the opposite. Yeah, just like shut it down. I'm done. Yeah, yeah, See yeah. You, peace out. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was surprised Ryan even went back the next year. No shit. Uh, so you know, mm-hmm. you had some friends whose places burnt down. Yeah. You had lots yeah. of friends that didn't. For right? sure. And and so, how do you feel like the next you know week, month, year after the fire went? That is such a great question. And just again, the happenstance that I just had this conversation with Travis, and this is a conversation I wanted to have with you the first time when you came on my show. But I felt like because Travis, because the story centers around Travis a little bit. So and, and I didn't want to tell his story until we, but he just told it on my podcast. So we come on a few, so I'm, so I'm free reign. So. <laughs> During that time, it was it was very traumatic on that day. And then we kind of got out and we were in Westlock the first night and then pretty much half a slave leg went to West Edmonton Mall at that time. And it was, I, I hate talking about this because I feel a lot of guilt, but I'm looking back, I was a 16 year old kid and these are the feelings I felt at the time. But I feel like uh, there was a lot of, you know, 
social points. You know, we just slave like you're one of those people and, and you're, you're almost a, a celebrity, right? Walking around. I feel like I thought about that a little bit and because we hadn't been back to see the town, this obviously is going to change. Uh, and I still hold a lot of guilt about that. But then one night we were out, uh, I can't remember what we're doing. We're, I think we're at the bowling alley and, uh, with a bunch of the buds and stuff and, and, and Travis, uh, broke down and started crying and me and Clinton were talking to him and he, and he was saying, uh, you know, I, I just, I just want to go home and, and I don't have a home. And I just, I, I just want my PSP and I want my, my clothes and I just, I don't have anything. And just like, and to see somebody like Travis, who was always a super, like I'm almost getting teary eyed thinking about it. Like Travis was always a superman of our group. Like nothing really affected him. The only emotion we ever saw with Travis was fury, right? Like when on the hockey rink or something, right? He was an angry kid at times, but he always happy, always jolly, right? It was always the, the big smile. Yeah. yeah. The big smile was never, and that moment, it all became real to me and all that, you know, the, the coolness of walking around and that night, I, I wasn't even thinking of it explicitly. Looking back on it, I can see that in myself. I don't think I recognized it at that time. And it, you know, it's gross to think about, but definitely that was a piece of it, right? You're, you're almost a celebrity at that point. But at that point it became real because, you know, you see what people are going through and that was a big moment. And then it was a little bit more somber. And then I think right after that, that was when I talked to him. I said, I need to get, I want to come back and help. Right. Cause it was still locked down. We're still out of there. And he got some sort of permit probably from you to to let me in i was going to come work at the c store right i'm a i'm a worker so i brought you know went to costco loaded up a chapstick and all the stuff that we're bringing back pop chips all the things for the store and, and boogie back into town and that was the second like it became real when i had the conversation with travis but then that next point where it becomes really real is pulling up to town and seeing all the way through town because everything's gone like right. like travis yeah, said so it, the like, corner of highway 2 and 88 yeah. you basically can you can see all the way through to like middle of town like it was and and just to see that and to smell it and to you know feel that like i was telling travis i think for probably six or seven years after every time i'd smell that that uh that that particular smell that right like it's yeah that plastic yeah, yeah 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 that smell i would my stomach would I, i'd feel like i had to puke every time right it's just that 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 trauma comes back right and you feel it and uh you had mentioned that you think uh it was a special group of friends. And I'm curious, I'm sure we were probably special and we had certain things, but I wonder how much of that is all of us going through that traumatic event. Like you say, if you lost your house or didn't lose your house, it was a traumatic event. And there was a lot of things going on and just to see stuff like that. And I think for so many kids at that point, you're lucky that you always have the security of uh, your parents. Everything's going to be okay, right? Everything's going to be fine. You know, you don't really have to worry when you're a kid and some kids don't have this and you have to be aware of that too. But for the most part, you have it and like talking to Travis and he was talking about, you know, seeing his parents not know what to do. Right. And that's what I'm, I feel like that is where the depth of some of that trauma comes in because it's, you know, we were 16, but there was 14, you know, 10 year old, everyone's going through this and just to not only be going through such a scary time where you lose all that stuff, but then to have the one rock of solidity that never crumbles. There's never anything wrong. Right. Big Clarence, nothing ever phased him to ever. see that. Yeah. How, how much trauma goes into a kid seeing that for the first time at that time with all this other stuff layered on top of it and all this loss and all this grief. And, you know, you wonder how much goes into it. And I think it's stuck with a lot. Like you say, I think it's stuck with a lot of people for a long time. And I, I know some people personally that every time any fire gets close, they have their whole goddamn house packed up. Right. Yeah. And how moving you, van out front. hundred percent. Yeah. But how can you blame them? Because like we all felt those feelings and we all deal with them differently. But once you feel those feelings, you can't put any blame. I find myself, it's hard to blame anything, anyone for anything they did during that time, right? I was talking with uh, Tyler Warman on my podcast about that of, you know, seeing the mud that got slung after that, even though everyone did an amazing job to try and pull together and do everything we could, you still saw rocks being thrown and people, oh, they did this and did that. And I thought like, how, why would you want to be a mayor after you got to see that, right? And, and he, and, and, you know, he had a great answer. I don't remember exactly what it was, but to me, that was when you talk about kind of a couple of weeks after it seemed like right after the fire, 
it was amazing community. Everyone was coming together. Then maybe a month after it kind of dipped down and got into some of the ugliness of people, you know, now everyone's fighting for contractors and everyone's trying to assign blame and everyone's trying to make sense Banks, of it. Banks, insurance companies, lawyers, like all, all the, of that stuff. Right. Yep. And then it kind of got down again. And I feel like almost it, it went down. And then I, I want to say on the uh, one year anniversary, I felt like that sense of community came back. And a lot of those, everybody's different. Everyone heals at a different pace, but I think maybe enough of the wounds had closed up where we could look back on it and realize how lucky we were that nobody was hurt other than that uh, helicopter pilot. Uh, and just all the little stories like we talked about on my podcast when we went, for, you know, the whole story of both <laughs> mine and yours of exactly how that day went, those couple days went. There were so many little stories of positivity, right? And I think that was very apparent because we just went through it. Then we kind of forgot about that and all the hurt takes over. And then once that hurt uh, eases a little bit, you can kind of remember back on those, the positives that came out of it. And I feel like that for me, from the outside, that was kind of how I saw the timeline after the fire, right? And and uh, yeah, one of the biggest things that I found was just trying to be there for my friends. I'm a very empathetic person. I'm always, I'm a big softy. I'm a super emotional guy. So to see my friends hurting, I always, what can I do, right? Like I'm, I'm always that guy for my friends. If you're hurting, I'm there for you. And it was just, what can you do? Like there was yeah. nothing you could do. For me, it was the, I agree with you on the waves, right? Yeah. Like I think it was all kumbaya, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. They're having barbecues and yeah. everyone's slapping you on the back. And yeah. it, it was actually like, so many people were congratulating us and hey you did a great job and yeah. you saved a bunch of the town that it was hard to go out right so we want to just hang around with ourselves yeah, 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 and yeah, not yeah. kind of see everyone because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's hard to swallow that yeah and then later it just kind of stuck around because he didn't want to go out because someone might say oh there's the losers that let our town burn and, and like literally legitimately right. happened right yeah and then there's all those phases right so you know people get into the temporary housing and we're trying to get school started and you get yeah. all of that hassle uh then hockey started again right and you know 35 percent of the houses in town burned down so there's a whole bunch of kids that oh yeah we didn't get their hockey gear yet or you know uh hey coach i gotta take it easy i'm trying to break these skates in yeah yeah. and you're kind of like well you know like suck it up you're oh just wait yeah you you can't say that to that one right like you gotta think through right and and it's so and then it's that wave right so Mm -hmm. it was like okay we got our temporary house fought all the fights to get the insurance going got school going again Mm -hmm got hockey going again right then the first christmas comes they don't have all their stuff for christmas Mm -hmm. and they're tripping about that right and and it just kind of like for those first couple years i just felt like there was more things more things more things yeah and i kind of experienced it all through adults right right like even at the rink once everyone got their stuff and got their skates broken Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know it was kind of like it was a place where you didn't have to think about it yeah or if you were super angry there was a place to take it out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> right? Yeah, for sure. And so we could unleash the beast there yeah. and and use that, uh, you know, as a method. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was, I kind of experienced it all from the adult level right. and not so much the kids. So, mm-hmm. you know, even like you talk about Travis, well, his mom and dad, right? Michelle and I are doing all the hockey stuff together. Clarence and I know each other yes. from work and from hockey and, and uh, you experience it all at that level. And every time you talk, you're talking about how's the house coming and did yeah, you get this yeah, and yeah. right. And so there's two people that like, you couldn't have treated us better before the fire got to town. Yeah. Right. They brought us Gatorade and water and band-aids and yeah. socks. And yeah. they brought us so much stuff that we're just like, why are they doing this? Right. Yeah. But that's just how that's they, who they are. Right? Yeah. 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 Michelle and Clarence get together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're going down to Walmart. We're loading up with a whole truckload of stuff and we're yeah. dropping it off. Right. I guess nobody knew that, you know, 12 hours later that yeah. the crock pot they brought would be the last thing that they owned. Yeah. Besides wow. the clothes on their back. Right. And so, so I kind of experienced it mm-hmm. at that adult mm-hmm. level. Yeah. And I often heard people talk about the kids, but it seemed like there was so many people at the school talking to the kids and the mm-hmm. parents talking to mm-hmm. the kids. 
kids that, talking within each yeah, other, right? So, we, so it was we, good. that's why I wanted to have you on. And yeah, go, yeah. You know, like what's your perspective of For it? For sure. Right? So I look at it, you know, from a, a 35 year old guy's perspective, mm-hmm. which is completely different from a 16 year yeah, old's, yeah. Uh, right? And and I'm sure that's much different than a 14 year old, right? Because like, and and another piece I remember too is uh, that I that I was talking to Trav about was when we. I think me and you talked about this too, but that moment when we're leaving town and we got to see that whole Southeast bit, like, and my first thought at that time, I remember this is, oh, the Miller's house is gone. Right. And they were, you know, my second family, the Miller's, right. And I'm just so sad. We pulled, just, just got out of town up by the hill there and uh, pulled over. Miller's had their camper and we just, you know, we all hop out of the car and just, you know, big hugs and they're balling. Right? They don't, they have no idea there's, but at that time, like from what we could see, it seemed like there's no way. And amazingly lucky that their house didn't actually burn but like it seemed from what we could see that there's no way it didn't right it was just a fireball right well, where their house if the was, wind right? changes two three degrees 100%. their place yeah. is gone like yeah. everybody else yeah. that's that thing you're, you're you're just uh what what can you do but give them a hug at that point right but you see your your best friend like clinton like we thick as thieves right and you just see him what can you do you just can't help and i feel like that was one of the biggest things i felt throughout that whole thing it was just helpless i just i always want to help but i just there's nothing you could do right and i'm sure what I could do, I was doing being there for my friends and all that stuff. Oh, of course, yeah. You just want to do more. Right. Yeah. And and then also the fact that Ingo stayed enslaved and was working and helping and that he didn't tell us that he was doing that until we we're already in Westlock. I'll settle in. Hey, I'm not coming, you know? And then, well, fuck, I want to stay. I want, I want to help. Yeah, you know? and, I, and I, I was the same. I was the same way, you know, instantly like, let me back. I, I want to come do it. Like I can run the sea store. I can fill jet fuel. I know how to do all this stuff. Like, yeah. why don't we let me help? And obviously I think we, me and you talked about this, but I have a lot more perspective because I think I had a lot of anger towards Ingo that he wouldn't let me at that time. But now that I look back on it, obviously you want your kid to be safe. Like why would he want to be doing all this stuff, trying to get generators going for the pump house that we talk about and shit and also be worrying about your kids? Like, no, get out of here so I can just focus, right? And I, th- and I think that is where I've come to now. But at the time I wasn't thinking that way. I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> let oh, me, I, let me I remember when I tried to get yeah. Kirsten and take the two kids and, and yeah. uh, Ryan was just like losing his mind. Yeah. Right. Cause him and Dalton are at the fire hall and they're yeah. helping out and doing their things. And, and uh, yeah, like he was just like losing his mind. Then they mm-hmm. got in that big lineup for 45 minutes, right. Moved like six car lengths. So Kirsten just ripped around, came back and said, yeah, too bad. We're staying. Yeah. And I remember when I saw Ryan, he just had this big, shitty grin on his face yeah. that you know it's gonna uh, work. mom said we're here so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know find me a yeah. job buddy yeah. and uh and nice I, trial man yeah, i'm still exactly. here baby <laughs> that's it <laughs> can't get rid of me right yeah. and so you know that that part was uh was cool mm-hmm. and so you know i and even like for my own kids so when i say i didn't really see it through the perspective of kids like mm-hmm. i couldn't tell you what my daughter thought of it we did right. a podcast and she mm-hmm. talked about mm-hmm. it so i now know but you know i Ryan was 15. So I just kind of treated him like an adult and yeah. he just, yeah. you know, he helped out mm-hmm. and we did what we mm-hmm. did. And, and so even then later on, right. It was like the rest of that summer, him and Lovelace were helping us at the fire hall every yeah. single day, yeah. seven days a week. Yeah. And, and, uh, it, it just kind of goes along. Right. And, and so I don't know what happens or how you heal from that. Right. I don't like, I think no. everybody does it differently. I think everyone's <laughs> got their own way. And I'm sure there's so many people out there that have never healed that have never done it. Cause I think unfortunately so many people out there just don't have those skills so their only thing is just to push it down or turn to something the bottle drugs gambling whatever it is whatever numbs that pain that they don't have to think about i think that is way more common than finding because it's hard to to go back through that and you have to sit with it and you have to think about it so many people i know don't even want to think about the fire don't even want to bring it up but it's so hard to heal when you don't you don't talk about it or or write about it or or uh 
or just sit and think about it. You know, like it just, it needs to be brought back up. You need to digest it. And, and that is a, a lot to ask of people. So it's hard to, you know, look at them any differently for not doing it. Cause it's such a hard thing to do. And we know that, but it's so important. I think that message, and I think now this is another thing me and Travis are talking about with the fire is right now with mental health and where that is in 2021 compared to 2011, you know, it was still in the zeitgeist and it was starting to gain traction, but I think mental health and the understanding of what trauma and what that can do to people was so much further behind at that time when we went through than it is now. And I think sometimes you forget because it's, you know, a topic right now and a lot of people are more conscious about what mental health is and the importance of it that you just naturally think back that, oh, people went through something, they probably got that help and it was available then. But I don't think that's a say. I don't think that's true. Do, I, do you remember a time at school where they kind of talked to you about it or? No. We just started in September. And, yeah, I just kind of... And that was buck. your grade 12 year. So, yeah. I mean, that special friend group I'm talking about, you're all rolling <laughs> into... Yeah. Holy man, right? Because And I agree with you because five years later, we went to Fort McMurray. Mm. And I would tell you that the mental health piece changed 120% yeah. from where see it was, it, hey? right? Wow, that's yeah. interesting. They took each one of us aside. They had, you yeah. know, I had to talk to like psychiatrists and psychiatric kind of a, nurses. Yeah. And, and a debrief. Uh, oh, dude, like, yeah. yeah. And then they checked like a month six months a year which is exactly what you need yeah right? like it's very important and i would have never yeah until you said that i never really thought of that but yeah. it was way different yeah. and then the supports for the people i mean i hope it was different too mm-hmm. obviously the rebuild didn't go as good as slave lake right? yeah there's still some condos up there that i think they'd probably mm-hmm. get rid of again if they had a chance to right? <laughs> yeah but uh yeah it was just uh crazy different mm-hmm. and, and so let's talk about fort mac for a second yeah. right so by then it's five more years mm-hmm. right you're mm-hmm. in university yeah. still probably just yeah. finishing yeah right? yeah i think i would just finished maybe yeah i think i would have been in my last year i would have been just uh i think i might have been going back for one more class because i did kind of a weird thing where i ended up one one class short, so I had to do a spring course on the end of oh, it, just yeah. to tack so it on. So I think I might have been just doing that at that point, because that was perfect So do you remember any of the talk around the university about what was yeah. going on there? Yeah, I think it was more talk around, say, because at that point I was, uh, I would go up, it was classes Monday, Tuesday, so I, I'd drive up Sunday night, go class Monday, Tuesday, come back and work Wednesday, right? Because there was no way once I was taking one class and it wouldn't have me working, like, get yeah. real, That's get right. real. So obviously yeah, I, was, I, was, I, was working, I was working full time at that point. So I think it was more around slave, and I think definitely brought up a lot of, uh, feelings. I think a lot of time there's also that fact that after Slave Lake, there was a lot of, I remember hearing this, I don't remember who was saying it, but I remember hearing this a ton that this will never happen again. We've learned so much. This will never happen. Again. I, I probably heard that 50, 500 times. Like, so I just, you know, you, you hear it so many times, it must be true. This will never happen again. And then it happens again. You're like, well, shit. <laughs> and again, and again. Yeah. Again, yeah. And like it's, it's, yeah. and it's something that, that crazy. It's hard to uh, put any blame on that either because you put so many things in place and then it comes in the back door, right? You, 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 you lock down every door and someone comes in through the cellar, right? That's always yeah. how it works. It's, it wasn't a massive fire, right? It right. was actually like in comparison, mm-hmm. it was a pretty small fire, wrong place, wrong yeah. time, yeah. wrong yeah. weather. Right. Yeah. But, and Fort McMurray was similar, right? I mean, yeah, it was dry, but you know, so we really call that lessons observed mm-hmm. instead of lessons learned. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Oh yeah, we learned yeah. all this. We're going to yeah. no, you, you saw all that you watched it, you observed it happen. But if you didn't change anything, mm-hmm. you didn't learn anything. So maybe, so maybe I can ask you a question. After the Slave Lake fire and all the learnings we had and the things we put in place, then the Fort Mac fire happens. What was the difference in the learnings that you guys had, or what were the things that were missed in the first one, or just not put in place? Like you say, they they saw that this was an issue, but it still came up again. And then, do you think that process of trying to prevent it from happening again was better after the Fort Mac fire? Cause it was kind of the second one or you think it was done really well in slave lake. It just wasn't, or after the slave lake fire story, it just wasn't implemented how like it should have been. 
I think we did the best we could. I don't think either one was really run. Right. Really yeah, well, yeah, right? You're kind I mean, of running by the seat of your were, pants. They would have, you know, we wouldn't have burnt down as much as right. burnt down. I think that uh, I could say for those of us, you know, me, Ryan, and Patrick, that went up from slave at mm-hmm. first and mm-hmm. some more that followed after, yeah. the difference was it's not your town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know anyone that lives here. I don't know who's in these houses. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's happening. That's versus, di- much you know, different, eh? you walk through the Southeast uh-huh. and it's like, Oh, I know those people. Yeah. I know, like, I literally had been in every single house that burned down at some time in my childhood or yep. or my adult over the years, life, yeah, right. And so, or who lived there, or who lived there for the last ten times mm-hmm. that that house mm-hmm. sold, right? In Fort McMurray, it was just like we're here to do a job. Yeah. We got to do yeah. what we got to do and get out. So I think that uh, for us, one of the big lessons learned, and we saw it with the Fort McMurray firefighters, was to. You know, they got to do what they got to do when the houses are still on fire. But as soon as that's over, we got to get them out of there so they could start that whole debriefing, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, talking about mental health right? yeah. and start working through that through. Because, of course, everyone thinks they're tough enough. Everyone thinks they can do it. Mm-hmm. But then what happens is they can't. Yeah. And that's a huge thing. I, I suffer with that. Like, I always thought I, I'm mentally strong. I would ne- none of that stuff would happen. But when I was six months, maybe eight months into that new job up in Grand Prairie, one of my guys had an accident, uh, a highway accident or not highway, but semi-highway, like 80 kilometer an hour. And the guy was speeding and the guy who hit him is actually somebody that we know. I didn't realize that at the time, but I was first on scene. I was actually at the gym just down the street and somebody called me and said, Hey, somebody, so I go there and they got jaws of life ripping this guy out and he's in bad shape. And I was pretty fresh to this. I was new in this management role and what to do and had to call his wife and all that. And just like going through all that, I didn't know and I just assumed that I could go through something like that. And I'm so mentally strong. And I was, I had PTSD. I think I had, I don't know if I did. I never talked to anybody, but I think I did. Like I, I couldn't think straight. My mind was busy for like days afterward. I just couldn't. And I knew I had to do, there were things I had to do and I would force myself to do them. But then as soon as I was in action, it's just like this fog came on and this fuzz was in my brain. I'd, I'd never felt that before. It was so weird to me. And it was just like, you know, you learn a lesson where you're not, you're not Superman. You don't, you're not oh, perfect yeah. with all this shit, right? Like, it's you don't those stress that. levels, right? So, you know, your adrenaline lets you handle some levels yeah. of stress, but yeah. that fog is actually mm-hmm. coming from, you know, the, that stress, yeah. right? And yeah. it's just your, your mind's way to cope with it, yeah. right? And you start to get disengaged mm-hmm. and you start, uh, I mean, I could even tell anyone that knows me would have seen all of those things from me, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it was good after the fire and it kind of hung around and, and I was talking to everybody just yeah. like I always would be. Yeah. Uh, and then we got to that low part, right? Mm-hmm. And then during the Paul Brandt concert, just before it started, someone yeah. left a message and said, hey, I think you firefighters should step up and, and give us, give the tickets to the people whose houses burned and you know what are you and like the wow. whole concert was trying yeah. to lift everyone yeah. up yeah. and, and uh, i didn't go i just didn't even go yeah. to the concert i skipped out and and uh you know and then my your first instinct is like find out who this chick yeah, is yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll have a talk mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and i did and i never said anything yeah. to her because it's irrelevant right yeah. but I could just really tell you, like, felt those rolls of emotions. And so, you know, PTSD, whatever that means, it, it's bad and we all yeah. have to deal with it yeah. uh, different ways, right? It's hard to put your finger on what causes yeah. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's hard to put names. You're and almost doing more damage trying to put a label on honestly, the stuff. Than- yeah. Like, and so I think I like it how you explained it, right? Just yeah. how it impacts you physically, yeah. mentally. 100%. And, and then, you know, you hope that you get through it. But then... You know, just talking about it, I can see your face change and, yeah. you know, you're thinking about it again. Yeah. And, well, that that's because, because then after that, you know, you go into the things, you know, being in the hostel and here, you know, sitting with his wife and, you know, you don't know if he's going to be in, you hear the, the sounds you hear and stuff like just, it all comes back to you. Right. And you're, you're not ready for that. You think you're ready for that, but you're just not. And that's the other thing too, is now you feel like this has never felt like this before. 
I don't know. I've never felt this before. So I don't know. Is this three days? Is this a week? Is this forever? Is this, you know, and that's, it's that fear of this is just unknown. Right. And I feel like I don't want to say this cause it's, uh, it would be just me guessing, but I would imagine after being through it once, it'd be a little bit less scary because now, you know, Oh, I've been, I'd, I've seen this before. I know what this is. And I I've gone through it once I could do it again. I just felt like the first time it was a little bit, uh, a little bit of a, almost like a worldview changer, right? Like, Oh, you're not, you're not Superman. Maybe you got to think about Uh-oh, some of these things. Tonight. Yeah. There you, go, there you go. Yeah. It sneaks up on you. Sneaks up on you. And maybe I can ask you one more question. Uh, I know this is your podcast. Yeah, and I'm that's, taking okay, over, that's okay. I, uh, we, we're, we do whatever we want. Exactly. And God, is it fun? Uh, when, when you're talking about that time where you guys kind of, uh, were hanging out all together, uh, all the firefighters, because people are congratulating it turned to that time where you're hanging out together. Cause you don't want the, the, the bad stuff. How was that for you to go through and to see it? Cause when I put myself in, in your shoes, I think this thing I would struggle with personally the most is attacks on me. I can handle and I'll take it. And sometimes it's going to hurt. Like you say, and sometimes you're going to miss out. But what I really struggle with is when people go after my team and people like even at work right now, like say whatever you want about me, but if, don't go after my people. Right. I'm very protective. And that was always me with friends and stuff. How was that to see your guys that you got to watch go through this traumatic time, bust ass, save houses, do it like exactly. We could recap that through our podcast. We did about all this stuff that you got to see. And then to see mud get slung at them and that, and see them be affected with it. How was that for you? I think, I mean, that's as brutal as it yeah. goes, right? I think the nice thing is a lot of it, I felt anyways, got directed to the top, which is good. That's a good place yeah, for it, right? I can handle yeah. it. It's yeah. no big deal. And so we're able to protect a lot of people from that. Mm-hmm. I think that the people whose houses were damaged or burnt down, people, like even the most ignorant people were smart enough to stay away from them, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. that's going to yeah. cause trouble with the whole rest of the town, right? Yeah. And I think it was... uh I could always, like honestly say, except for that one person that phoned in, and of course they weren't talking to me directly. It was just yeah. a message on yeah. an answering machine. No one ever came up to us and said, hey, yeah. you did yeah. this yeah. or you did yeah. that or you, know, you didn't do this. Yeah. It, it would always just be things you hear, yeah. right? Or some idiot on Facebook yeah. or whatever, right? And, that, and, and, that, and, that's, and that's how it always goes. So then you kind of just quickly have to learn to go, I'm not really into that. Mm-hmm. And I would say, like looking back on it, I could honestly say that, probably 50% of what I was feeling was made up by me. hundred percent. Yeah. Right? No, that's, that's always 50% how it is. was like, Oh yeah, whatever. There's yeah. one out of every 10 here that probably has some issue, but, but 90% were behind us. And, yeah. and so I think that you just make some of that up in your mind Obviously, versus it? when we went to Fort McMurray, you know, we're all done and we're leaving and, and it's like, uh, Oh, this is what this feels like. You just get to leave this all behind, yeah. right? And so yeah, I'd be phoning my friends around. and talking on, and they're just like breaking down. Months later, yeah. a year later, I went to visit the chief, and he's just like still in that. And I was like, man, I I totally now yeah. can see the other side of this coin, right? Mm-hmm. All of those people that uh, you know when they all those firefighters left town, and everybody lined the highway and saluted them and yeah. talked to them, and yeah. and it was like, man, for them, it was like wow, you know, they won the big game and they're mm-hmm. heading out of town, right? Yeah. And then we were all left here, like we're the losing team, right? Yeah, so yeah, we had to pick like, up the pieces yeah, and, and like, there's still a lot of work that, oh, to do at that point, right? Like yeah. there's so And much. I mean, we lost half of our guys, right? Because they got to, I mean, it is what it is, right? It's a traumatic thing to go through. So mm-hmm. there's all of those pieces, I think, that are super hard, right? Yeah. And so looking at it from lots of different perspectives and that's kind of like what i love about doing the podcast is you're always yeah. somebody else's perspective yeah. eh? of you know your old uh, shop teacher in here mm-hmm. chatting about yeah. stuff and yeah. how everybody thinks of him and yeah one of my favorite teachers you know old guy. paulson who probably coached yeah. you throughout the years yeah. too when you were younger and and just all these different people right mm-hmm. and how they look at all the different things that happen yeah. so it's uh it's fun it's exciting it's nerve-wracking it's yeah. a little bit of ptsd flashbacks all yeah, the time Yeah, you go back to it 
sure. but uh, it's good to talk about it, right? Of course. I would always say you talked about writing it down, talking about it, you know, mm-hmm. write a song, write a poem, write whatever a, it is, whatever. get it out of you. You know, talk to your buddy, talk to your friends or family. Mm-hmm. I was lucky. I got to go all across the country and tell people about what happened. Right. And answer right. all those questions. Yeah, and I, and I'll tell you, cathartic like, for you. Oh, people were harsh. I, I can remember being over in Atlantic Canada and people are just like, you know, saying stuff that people don't say. And it's like, I'll answer that. What do I care? Right. Like it's, you know, I didn't cause the fire. I didn't light the fire so I could talk about it. Right. Did the best you could with what you had. Right. Honestly. And so it was, uh, I guess that was kind of my healing is to Mm. be able to go in and, and a lot of nobody else really got that. Mm, right and so right. you can't really blame them for bottling it up or 100 not being able mm-hmm. to talk about it right and, and i think also what prevents it too is 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 even wanting to talk about some of those negative stuff about like those hurtful words that you get to hear because you understand what everybody just went through so you have a ton of compassion for it right so you you you're not even upset because you know where it's coming from. You know, they're not really mad. They're just upset. Right. And you know that they're hurt people and hurt people, hurt people. Right. Oh, and yeah. that's, everybody so, knows that, course. but it doesn't make those words to you sting less. And that, and it makes it almost worse because now, you know, you can't really get mad back. That's your instinct is to, I want to retaliate, oh, but you yeah. can't because you understand what they went through. Right. Like, so it's I, oh, that phone message, right. Mm-hmm. Cause I phoned up my buddy at the detachment and I'm like, backtrace this number for me. <laughs> yeah, tell me yeah, yeah. He goes, okay. So he goes and he comes back on the phone and he's like, First, you got to tell me what you're going to do with this. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and I was like, no, I here, don't. Yeah. Give it yeah. to me. No, I'm not giving it to you until you, right? Yeah. And so he kind of really helped talk yeah. me down and yeah. say, like, you know, there's nothing good that's mm-hmm. going to come yeah, from this, right? No and way. I was like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. I feel like I need to know, mm-hmm. and I always want to know yeah. going through life, right? 100%, yeah. And it's a person I had lots of interactions with after, right? And it's a... They don't know that I know, yeah. but I know I know. Yeah. And uh, and I'm sure they probably look back on that and regret it too, right? Or they, don't even remember they or don't did even, it, yeah, honestly. Yeah. Especially I mean, in that fog you talk about coming through something like that. Probably the, There's probably people we could ask right now, where you ask them what happened six months after the fact, they have no idea. Oh, it's, it's all a fog, The fog right? of war, right? 100%. For a whole year for anyone that had to get their sure. house built. Especially people that were fighting with contractors and all that madness that came after that we know very well. That all adds to it. You know, you go through that stress and now you're trying to, we talk about that brain fog and stuff and you're trying to get yourself to a state where you can let that recede. And then it's constant stress on you're building a house. You're trying to do all the stuff. There's people fighting. Like there's not a lot of time for recovery in that, right? And that can put uh, people into places where they regret their actions or don't remember it at all. I can remember. And I don't think I would talk to you about this, but we went to uh, an insurance and banking seminar in Toronto. One of the okay. counselors and myself, his house had burnt down. Yeah. And so we flew out there together and we were going to do this presentation and all these bankers are getting called up and insurance companies one at a time. And, and they're like, uh, you know, how do you guys think you did on the, on the recovery of slave Lake? And, you know, so Royal banks up there, it's like, Oh, you know, I'd give us a B plus. I think we're, and you could just see the counselor. Yeah, just yeah, seething, yeah, right? yeah, and I'm yeah. like, Oh, Uh-oh. right. And then the next guy gets up there and said, well, you know, I think we a plus and, and then the next one's up there, you know, well, probably a C we screwed up this and that. And then another a plus. And yeah. finally I was like, and they're like, yeah, go ahead. Uh, just tell us who you are and why you're here. And I stood up and I was like, I'm Jamie Coots. I'm the fire chief for the town of Slave Lake. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, and so like quiet. at that second, yeah. I'm like, you know, am I a chunk of meat in a room full of alligators yeah. or am I an alligator about to eat a bunch of meat here? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Right. And I was like, this is all fun and everything. And you mm-hmm. guys are all patting yourselves on the back. And, mm-hmm. you know, I could tell you this, 
you all sucked. Yeah. yeah right. Like yeah. your, your response was terrible. Mm-hmm. How you treated the people was terrible. Yeah. And you didn't go through it and you don't understand it. So mm-hmm. F's all around you're, here. you're just doing it, you know, yeah. but yeah, like, you know, that guy that was like a C minus, maybe jump on his ship and everybody can kind of, yeah. right. And yeah. then, so then it was like, and then any more questions? so then of course everyone started asking us questions mm-hmm. and so the counselor and i got up there we did our presentation yeah. and and uh, after the the guy from one of the insurance companies intact i think it was came and he's like holy man i didn't really know how that was going to go but you know thanks for having the guts to yeah. stand up yeah. and tell us how you actually mm-hmm. felt about it mm-hmm. and so i i've always felt it after fort mcmurray hopefully that talk in that room hopefully yeah right i mean yeah. probably every person in that room was making two three four hundred thousand and i'm up there telling them they're a bunch of clowns and yeah, yeah. and so you know hopefully that made an impact and changed yeah. and, and you and you hope so but unfortunately in my head there's so many uh incentives in that game that insurance game that banking game that their goal is kind of to fuck people over unfortunately that's for them to succeed that's what, the they need. And- that's what they need right and that's that's what's so unfortunate about it they can they can see that and they can know that that's the right thing to do but you know if it's their job and their job security if they don't do it they're gonna go back to those same way the same things they did to the people inside i'm sure they did the same guys in fort mac they might have felt a little bit worse about it maybe not but even that if you accomplish that that's good enough for me because at least they feel what they're doing right but made me feel better I yeah no shit well to watch uh, to watch people that are just went through that and then to get fucked around by an insurance company and that just makes you and how many we saw right oh it was was like the never-ending story right and yeah and it just it at least uh for myself coming through that as a kid it really opens your eyes to how the world works i think a little bit uh at an early age right it's the less of that that's usually when you leave home for the first time go out in the real world and you get kicked in the kicked in the ass a couple times by things like that it's nice to be able to learn those lessons early, right? Now maybe I won't have to, uh, they'll yeah. save me a couple of fights in an insurance company at some point. You know? Oh, for sure. Oh, your new job, right? I mean, it's a big deal in your new job, right? It so is, keeping yeah. keeping it all going. I guess oh, it's yeah. not new anymore. Yeah. The job you have now. Yeah. No, it's, uh, awesome, dude. I got to tell you, that's, uh, we're out of time. But Holy uh, shit, that went fast. Yeah. I, I appreciate you coming in. We always have a good talk. Oh, I know yeah. this won't Anytime. be our last one. We'll oh, yeah. We'll do this last Keep we'll this rolling, this right? So uh, Nick Von Walkerbarth. Uh, Von Dubcast, check out his Instagram page. Uh, you can check out his YouTube page at www.thevondubcast.ca. So thanks for tuning in to Growing Up Fire. Listen to us to chat again today, episode 15. Have a good one, everyone. Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.